Welcome to the City Church Online. This is where you get all the sermons that you might have missed or you might just want to listen to all over again. Please like, subscribe, remember to share and download this message. Come, let us grow together in Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. The scriptures are true and they are right. They tell us that the entrance of your word brings light and this light gives understanding to the simple. And in simplicity, we come to you. But with great understanding, we move into your presence. Hallelujah. Because you, as you have prophesied and told us that in these last days, you will fill the earth with the knowledge of God as the waters fill the earth. And so we are excited to be part of this great move of God and this great power of God. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So today we start a brand new series of sermons. And for those of you, if it is your first time at the City Church, uh, here we, we preach in series. We get a topic and we start on it and move. This series is going to take us about five weeks so that uh, we communicate the full counsel of God concerning what he has placed on our hearts. And so this you couldn't have picked a better uh, Sunday to attend church with us. Hallelujah. It is going to be a wonderful time. The series we are dealing with is called, This is My Church. And this time, it is not Jesus speaking. You are the one speaking. Now, when we talk about church, there are a few things that come in mind. Number one, for those of you who have been in church for a while, uh, maybe let me start for those who there's a certain understanding of church generally as an institution, okay? Generally as an institution called church. So, for example, they will talk about the church of Uganda, the Balokole church, the Baptist church, the full gospel church, the city church. In that way, we are referring to church as an institution. Now, then there are those who think about church as buildings. So you say, I am going to church. It's like a place. It's a, it's a venue. It's, a, uh, it's where you meet and uh, you do God things. It is, uh, And so people think about it. And uh, when you say church, they're thinking about the building, they're thinking about the place, they're thinking about uh, where they will meet to worship God. So it is church. But then there are also, there's also, for those who have been in church for a while, they will have an understanding of church as the body of Christ, the people of God, all right? The people of God. And so, and, and especially when, when, you, when you work in scripture, when you go and you find Jesus speaking about church, ecclesia, it is a gathering of men and women with the intention to lift up the name of God higher than any other name, all right? However, for this series of sermon, I am going to be talking about church. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be talking about church as an institution, all right? How we are organized and who we are generally, not simply 
as a, a, a body of individuals, but as a joint institution. And so when you say, this is my church, we are referring to the city church. Someone said, this is my church. You see, it is very important that every one of us belongs. Uh, the, the Bible word for what I'm talking about is koinonia. The fellowship of believers. The coming together of men and women in fellowship, in communion. Hallelujah. And so today we start a series of sermons called, This is My Church koinonia, uh, the fellowship of believers, the body that you belong to in which uh, you begin to manifest the mandates and assignments of God upon your life. And so today we are going to talk about who we are, what is our assignment, what is the mandate that God has given to us as the city church, as this institution that God has placed in place. And so, again, the other thing is, understand as we talk about institutional church like this, we will have two sides to the church. Now, I don't know if this information will help uh, some of you or it may not help some of you, but we have some people who are just natural geeks. People who just love information. And I am one of them. I love a lot of information. And I have a lot of information in this head. So sometimes you may just have to suffer me uh, and bear with me and, and, and come along with me as I speak some of these words. But also, some of the words I'm saying, you may not see their relevance to you right now, but as you grow in the Lord and mature in Christ and realize your responsibility to the body of Christ and the mandate that God is placing on your life, you will begin to see that these things are important and are relevant to you. I feel the Holy Spirit carrying me uh, because uh, you are not going to remain where you are. You have have a call of God on your life. For those he foreknew, he also called. So you have a call of God on your life. And the Lord saw it fit that on a Sunday like this, you will sit under my teaching with so much information in this head so that you will receive something. You will receive something that, that is not just for individual consumption, but what you will receive will benefit generations to come. Am I speaking to somebody? We were here on, on, uh, on Friday and the man of God, the prophet of God, the apostle in Uganda, John Bunjo said, what we are building here is not simply for us. It is for four generations to come and we set a foundation and that foundation, the others and our children will come and build on it. But we have set something that is powerful enough to move us beyond us in Jesus' name. That's why when I am preaching, I also know I am not preaching just to you. I am preaching to some of your great-grandchildren. They will look out. They will one day say, I want a sermon that was preached by my great-grandmother's 
pastor called Alex Motagubia. Hey, am I communicating something? So when I am speaking some of these things, you may not see they are relevant. Maybe they may not even be relevant to you, but your great-grandchild, hey, who will be sharper in so many ways because the technologies of those days will be bigger than your technologies, believe it or not. Uh, they, they will understand some of these things beyond. Okay, let me go back to the sermon. So are you ready for something great? Hallelujah. Just appreciate the Lord for what we are about to receive. And so I was telling you that as we talk about church, uh, we talk about church on two levels. On the first level is the organismic side of church. Organism. So you know what an organism is. When we are in senior one, we were told that the smallest organ is called an amoeba. Am amoeba. An amoeba has only one cell. When it gets a second one, it becomes two amoeba. Ameba, amebai, things like that. That's why I dropped science in A level because those things are too hard. You speak history, that one is easier. Praise the Lord. But an organism, an organism has life within it. And, and so the church, the church can be an organism, but every organism can only grow to the extent of its organization, which you would call the skeletal system. So an organism can only be as big as an organ its organization, its structure, its structure, its structure. And so the amoeba is the smallest uh, animal that ever lived. Why? Because it has only one cell. But you a human being, you are bigger than an amoeba, but you are smaller than an elephant. Why? Because an elephant has a bigger structure than you do. Now some of you are short and others of us are tall. Why? Because of structure. Structure. A function of structure. And so this is my church. In this series, we are going to be talking more about the organizational part of the church. What are those things that make us as the church grow, flourish, become bigger, maybe obese, oh what? Uh, or oh, gigantic, I like that word, gigantic. Because as a church of Jesus Christ, you are meant to move forward. You are meant to overwhelm your enemies. In, the, in other words, you are the big person. You are, you are the giant of our day. And the Bible tells us that in these last days, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be greater than all other mountains and all nations shall run to it. Tell your mind, mind, you are understanding this thing. Hallelujah. And so this is my church. And because, because this is my church, I must understand the mandate. Someone say mandate. The mandate that was given to me and the mandate that was given to the church. You belong to the church. And because you belong to the church, you were given a mandate. 
Now also understand God in his wisdom, he does not only have one army. That's why wherever we are located, there are several other churches. And all those other churches are not our competition. Our competition is a bars. Our competition is mosques. Our competition is uh, uh, atheism. Our competition are those other things that do not get people in church. But the rest of the other churches are comrades. They, we are on the same battlefront. We are fighting from different fronts and, and attacking the enemy at different angles. And so every church that exists has an angle which God gave to it in which they, they will be very effective. And so God collects all of us together brings the educated and the less educated, the, the, the rich and the poor, the, the, the women and the men, the children and the, and the adults, the boys and the girls, the, the brown and the black, the, the tall and the short, the, the, the very beautiful and the less beautiful. Uh, he brings all of us together because he knows each one of us is going to contribute to the fulfillment of the mandates that he has given to the church. Am I saying something to somebody? Hallelujah. And so we are going to look at the various mandates that Jesus gave to us as the church of Christ. And the first mandate that I believe we ought to tackle and talk about is the mandate of discipleship. Someone said the mandate of discipleship. Now, someone may, may we be wondering, what is a mandate? What is a mandate? Have they told you something like a mandate is an assignment? Have they told you like a mandate is a responsibility? the responsibility that has been handed to you, you are responsible for this. This one God is not going to do. This one you are going to do. A mandate is your responsibility. I know a lot of us come to church because we want God to do some things for us. And by the way, he is going to do all those things for you. But he also has some things he wants you to do. And I don't know if it were you. Also, you put yourself in God's place. You know you have everything. Alright? And this person comes to you and they want these things from you which you can provide. And you are happy and delighted to give them to them, all right? But you also have some things that you need, and they are also very important to you, as their things are also important to them. So they are very important to you, and you would like them to also do them, because even though you are God, you can't do those things here on earth unless they decide, yes, Lord, I am going to cooperate with you and we do this thing together because he is actually going to do it through us, but we need to avail ourselves and take on the responsibility and know that God, if you want this 
done, I will be your man, I'll be your woman, I'll be your kid, I'll be your boy, I'll be your girl to do this thing. But this boy, this girl, this woman, this man, they are only minding what they want. Now you are God. You put yourself in, that, in those shoes. You are God, happy to provide for every need that they have. But you also have something you know they should be doing. All right? And you say, listen, you want that, but I also want this. And they are not interested in yours. But they can spend a whole two hours on their knees about their thing. And you are there saying, yeah, 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 but I also have something. If you are God... But we thank God you are not God. Praise the Lord. But also understand that it is just uncouth. Someone say uncouth. Again, uncouth. Irresponsible. And really derogative. For you to think that God is only going to mind your business without you minding his business. But I thank God because even as I preach, I see some people who are already smiling and are ready to say, God, if you have something that you also need, it is my privilege and my honor to serve you, my king. Do I have some people like that in this house? <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for those who have clapped their hands and those who have agreed in their hearts. So today we are going to talk about the discipleship mandate. The discipleship mandate is not God's responsibility. It is our responsibility. This is my church. And we begin with Matthew 28 verses 19 to 20. This time we will be reading from the NLT, the New Living Translation Bible. Are we all together? Jesus came and told his disciples, uh -huh, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Okay, so who has been given the authority in heaven and on earth? Jesus. Okay, let's move forward. Uh -huh. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay? So, now look at this. Who has been given the authority? But now, who is supposed to go? So, on one hand, God has all the authority, all the power, all the privilege, all that it takes to do this thing. And yet, he wants to do it through you and me. Okay, uh, to put it a little bit in perspective, right now I am preaching a very important sermon, right? A very important sermon. But what if, as you are right here, you receive a message from his excellency the president of uganda and you are like 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 you it's not doubting like you are you are sure yeah we are you are sure this is the president and he says uh derek 
I would love for you to come and bring me some bananas at the state house. Just to bring me bananas at the state house. Uh, let me ask you, if that's all the message you received, I am preaching a very important sermon right now. What would you do? You probably will not even say, Pastor, uh, I'm so sorry. We, you probably will just see you just sneak out of church. The president didn't even send you money to buy the bananas. But if you don't have the money, you'll call your friend and tell them, send me your mutualo. Where do you think the best bananas are? You will look for the best bananas. In fact, you'll probably go to Nakasero right immediately and you would look for the heaviest, the juiciest, the niciest. Why? Because a man of authority and power. Ah, did I say authority? Did I say authority? A man of authority and power has given you an assignment. And for us, it is not simply the president of one country. It is the king of kings, the lord of lords. If it was in our day, it would be the president of presidents, the ruler of the whole universe. Say, listen, I got authority and I got power, both in heaven and on earth. But I am sending you, Gwegwe and Cindy say, it is you. Isn't that a mighty privilege? Hallelujah. And he sends us and says, go therefore and make disciples and make disciples and make disciples. Now, he did not differentiate who is going and who is not going. He says, well, all authority has been given in heaven and on earth. Uh, but now, if you are called to be a pastor, go and make disciples. Do you see it there? Okay, if you are called to be a prophet, do you see it? It includes you and me. Praise the name of Jesus. This thing involves you and me. Jesus has the authority, but we have the responsibility. I say, Jesus has the discipleship authority, but we have the discipleship responsibility. I will say it again. Jesus has the discipleship authority, but we have the discipleship responsibility. Therefore, if you are not making disciples, if you are not making disciples, even Jesus is wondering. Like, you see, if you are not making disciples, so now, pointedly, my dear, do you have disciples? Now, who is a disciple? Who is a disciple? Let's first start there. Let's first start there. Who is a disciple? There are four words that will define a, a disciple. Four words that will define a disciple. Number one, it will be a fan. Number two, it will be a follower. Number three, it will be a learner. Four, it will be a son and a daughter. Let's say all of them together. One, two, three. Number one, a fan. Number two, it is. Number three, it is. And number four, it is. A son or a daughter. That's what defines a disciple. Now, for our generation, we lost something by definitions that were incomplete. Now, we all know that a disciple is a learner because the word disciple, catch this, 
The word disciple in the original is the word mathetes, which literally means someone who learns from another, a student who learns from another. But pretty soon, and that's why uh, there was a generation which developed Sunday school classes, developed discipleship classes, it developed uh, schools. That's where things like YMCA came from. That's where things like Scripture Union came from. That's where things like Campus Crusade for Christ came from. That's where things like uh, spiritual laws come from. Now, some of you have never heard of these things, but some of you have heard of these things. But also remember, I am not just preaching to you alone. So we had a generation which had classes for Sunday school. Classes. In fact, when our church had just started, Luzira Community Church then, it had the first service, and in between the services, it had Sunday school classes, and after that, then it had a second service. Why? Because we were emphasizing the learning aspect of discipleship. But pretty soon, uh, many others realized that, that this in discipleship, it is not enough to just learn and have information. You learn by imitation. Someone say imitation. Imitation. Imitation, that means there must be someone modeling for you what you are to learn. In the kingdom, we don't learn by information. In the kingdom, it is a transfer of spirits. So you catch this thing as you go. And so you realize that even when you study the scriptures, you see that those who are called disciples would actually begin to walk with their discipler. They would begin to, say, to, say, to do life, someone said to do life, with their discipler. And so they became not only known as students, but they were following and they were following in order to imitate. They were following in order to imitate. Do as I do, not as I say. Do as I do. And so, but they also the student who was following, they followed a teacher because they liked the teacher. And they liked something about this teacher. Now, most of the times, that teacher they were following also had other people that just liked him, liked his work, uh, but he had a group of people that would just be with him. Hallelujah. And so, that is when you found that, uh, it, for example, uh, in the U.S., which a lot of what we have as church today has, been, has come from, they began talking about followers. Now, not just students, but followers. And even adopted the language of following Christ. Christ followers. We became followers. The problem with the follower, though, is they can unfollow you. The problem with the follower is that they can stop before you stopped. You can look behind and the guy who you thought all along that guy was following you. But you look behind, nobody. Nobody's following. They've gone. They got tired. They said, me, I can't. I am not able to. Those things are hard for me. 
For you, you already have experience in this thing. And for us, we don't know. We are even tired. We are hungry. We are stopping here. If you want to go, you go. And so discipleship, however, when you see it in the scriptures, you have to also understand it from the context in which it was given to us. Now, for my doctoral studies, one of the area I really studied was missional church leadership and discipleship. So my thesis, I, I studied discipleship. However, even in studying discipleship, because remember, I was studying it from the American perspective. And so it was following and moving into a, a, a thing. So there are some good things I discovered, but there's a place I never got to that later as I was studying and the Spirit of God was opening my eyes, I began to see and say, ah, this is where we missed it. Because when you read the scriptures, you will notice that the word discipleship ends in, in the book of Acts. In the first chapters of the book of Acts, that is where the word discipleship ends. And you notice as you read the rest of scriptures, now you begin to find language like sons, daughters, sons, daughters. And one of the persons opened my eyes was the disciple of Jesus called John. Because John wrote four books in the Bible. Okay? He wrote the book of John, the gospel of John. And in the gospel of John, he is talking about disciples, disciples, disciples. It is all filled with disciples. But then in his first letter and second letter and third letter and the book of Revelation. He actually wrote five books. And the book of Revelation, which he also wrote, you don't find the word disciple. In fact, his books are filled with my sons. Now I'm talking to you, my sons. And I'm talking to you, fathers. And I'm talking to you, young men. And you realize that the language changed. And the language went to sons and daughters. And so when I went back to the scriptures and I realized that even Jesus referred to his disciples as sons and daughters. So discipleship is about raising sons and daughters. And if you don't understand that, then you will never, one, be discipled, number never make disciples. And yet, the matching instructions that our Savior gave to us he said, authority is given to me, but therefore go and make disciples. And so Jesus sees and regards his disciples as his children. And when you read the rabbinic writings in Jesus' times, you realize it is the same language. These people understood that if you are to become my disciple, I that, that's why, by the way, you see, when Jesus was calling his disciples, he would come, find them fishing, and tell them, leave that boat. Come, follow me, let's go. Where are we going? You will see. 
And they began to do life together with him. And they became to him as sons and daughters. In Mark chapter 10, verses 24, this is what you see. You find that Jesus is referring his disciples. Verses 24. And the disciples were astonished at his words. Okay? So these are his disciples. Let's read together. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered and said to them. So who is he speaking to? His disciples. And what does he say? Did he refer to them as children? Now, do you know the people he's referring to as children? These were fishermen. Big men. Peter already had a wife. But he is saying, children. Children. In fact, in John, he goes further than just calling them children. Look at John chapter 13, verses 33. He says, let's read together, two, three, go. Uh-huh. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. Now, wait a minute. They've come from being just to being a reason for his blessing. It is the reason for his power. When he says, all authority has been given to me, he is saying, I am passing down my authority to you so that you can go. And make disciples. So these four questions. Because discipleship supersedes any other thing you can do with your life. I'm telling you. I am telling you. Discipleship is the most important thing you can do with your life. In fact, all other pursuits in life. All the other things that you would do with your life. Only get their legitimacy as far as they are contributing to the mission of God. And the number one assignment that God has given to us is to disciple men. And so for you to be able to get ordinary people, converts, and you turn them into committed world changers, that is the biggest thing that will bring a smile on God's face. Now, for you getting a car will bring a smile on your face. But the Bible tells us when one person comes into the kingdom, God makes a party. You get it? So it is like if we gave you keys to a jaguar, you would go and celebrate. Ah, the jaguar you give God is of a soul. It's of a soul. Because this is, I am telling you friends, uh, this is the most important thing to God. And so these are the three questions. Number one, who is discipling you? It is the other question I was asking. Which man or woman can stand and say, ha, huh, in Christ I have begotten you. They caught you. He, he, he wrote to the Corinthians and told them, they caught you because they want to be called your apostles. They want to be called, but to us, you are our letters of recommendation. Now I am asking, which person would say, ha, ah, when I look at you, are my letter of recommendation to God. An epistle, you are my epistle, not written with human hands, but you are written by the Spirit of God. You are my epistle. Which man? Who is discipling you. We ought to be about our father's business. Not so. Glory be to God. So number one question, 
who is discipling you? Like for me, if you ask me who is discipling me, I will tell you exactly. His name is called Pastor Peter Kasirivu of Gaba Community Church. Even if you went and asked him, who is that boy? He will tell you that is, he won't even tell you that that is Pastor Alex. That's one of he will, he will not say that. If you ask him, who is that guy there? He will tell you that's my son. Yes, that's what he will say. I was, one time I was with him in a pastor's meeting and we had gone with all these different pastors together. We are there. They are also his sons. But he began introducing all of us and he said, this is pastor so-and-so. He does this with this in our ministry. This is pastor so-and-so. He does this and this with our ministry. And this is pastor so-and-so. And he does this with our ministry. And then when he got to me and said, and this is my son, Alex, he pastors it. Ah, I was like, yes, that's it. Hallelujah. Uh, but the question is truly, truly, you, who can say that? Hallelujah. <laughs> because the, uh, the fourth question there is, do they know? And so which, these three questions are validated by the fourth question, which says, do they know? Do they know? Or you were just assuming, you know, you can sit here in the city church and I'm saying, who, so who can say is there? And you're like, Pastor Alex, but Pastor Alex doesn't know. In fact, when Pastor Alex is introducing, he will introduce all his sons and daughters and will never mention your name. He doesn't know. Number two, question number two is, who are you discipling? Who are you discipling? So there is someone who is discipling you. Your son, you are their son, you are their daughter. When they look, they say, they will look at you and they'll say, ah, that one is my letter of recommendation. When I get to heaven and God says, uh-huh, Alex, what did you do with, oh, Peter, what did you do with your life? He will say, um, father, there's Alex there. Yeah, just check, just check what he became. Uh, uh, just check. And, and God will say, Alex, uh, oh, yeah, 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 that's my, that's my father. Uh, and then he'll say, okay, Alex, thank you very much. Uh, Peter, thank you very much. Please, here's your crown. Who are you discipling? Glory be to God. And I will be there and I'll say, Father, my first disciple was my wife. Here she is. Glory be to God. I, I have a whole list of my disciples. Question, who do you have? Meanwhile, we are all going to heaven and when we get to heaven, we are going to present an account of our lives. Do you think the account of your life is going to be all the good things you did? No, 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 no. Let me tell you, God is not going to look at which sins you committed and which sins you did not commit. Those things were all reconciled and resolved in Christ Jesus. Ah, let me say that again. By the way, that is good news. So the account of, what, of your life is not just, it's not going to be, uh, did you steal? God, I didn't steal. Uh, did you commit adultery? No, let me tell you, those ones, those ones, are very, those ones, they're not going to account because for those, even if you didn't steal, but you liked some other person's thing, it was equivalent to stealing. So th those ones, Jesus Christ came and died for them. So when you gave your life to Jesus, now when God looks at you, I'm telling you the truth. When God looks at you, he sees you pure because he sees you through the eyes of his son. Hallelujah. I knew actually even before you went, I knew that's why I sent my son to the cross. 
I saw you. I, I saw you before you went to the Chidandali. I saw you before you drank the alcohol. I saw you before you went womanizing. I saw you and that is why I sent my son Jesus Christ on the cross. If you believe in Jesus, you receive the forgiveness of sins. And so now you have made it into glory. And so, hallelujah. I can go on on that. On judgment day, it's not going, you are not going to be judged about uh, concerning your actions. Those ones, <laughs> they don't know Jesus. It's not you. You who knows Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who do not live according to the flesh, but live according to the spirit. Because the spirit of life in, the, in Christ has, uh, eh, has set us free from the spirit of sin and death. So you are not dying. You are, so friend, excuse yourself because God has already excused you. Forgive yourself because God has already forgiven you. Ha, live in liberty. That's why Paul says, be, uh, live in, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. No longer to be held captive by the yoke of slavery. Do you know what the yoke of slavery was? The yoke of slavery was the law. Go and read the scriptures. It was. So you have been set free. And so when you get to heaven, they're not going to be asking you, uh-huh, tell me, uh, did you feed the poor? No. It was because you knew you were a poor and God made you rich. Now you are a blessing. Blessings bless. Do you understand? Blessings do what? Bless. You, righteous, righteousness practices righteousness. Holy people do holy things. That's it. It's our nature. That is who we are. If you are not of our kind, you will not do those things of our kind. Those of us who have been made holy, we live a holy life. Not as a qualification to heaven, but simply because we've already been qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. So question, who are you discipling? Is there a person? Now when you look at, you say, ha! This Isaac here, this is my epistle. Not written with human hands. And you don't want to have only one epistle, I am telling you. That is why uh, we want every man and woman to join a mission or community. Because we are giving you an opportunity not only to be discipled, but to also have disciples. The third question is, who are they discipling? And I think the answer to that one is much easier. And these are things we are going to continue looking at. Throughout this year, we are saying it is already done. Authority and power and freedom and forgiveness has been given to us. Jesus said it is finished. It is already done. But now, what is our mandate? Now, let me tell you a little bit about uh, our missional communities and what a missional community is. And why we want every one of you to join. And then we will give you an opportunity to join missional communities. I have so much to say. So what is a missional community? We want everybody to join a missional community. Now, a missional community is about discovering the church as an oikos. Someone say an oikos. What is an oikos? An oikos is an extended family on mission. An extended family on mission. You are not in an MC if you are not on mission where everyone contributes and everyone is supported. Oikos is a Greek word that 
in the New Testament is used to refer to households. Uh, you can think about it like our friends from the north, where you go and you find uh, the little huts that are gathered all around the big hut. Do you understand? It is a homestead. I think for us we call it a homestead. And it provides everyone chips in and everyone is supported. We do life together. We walk together. That is a missional community. Now, a missional community is made up of a group or a family of approximately 20 to 50 people who are seeking to reach a particular neighborhood or are seeking to reach a particular network of relationships with the good news of Jesus Christ. It's a group of people, approximately 20 to 50, who are seeking to reach a particular neighborhood or a network of relationships with the good news of Jesus Christ. And the missional community is not the same as a small group. I know that a missional community is not like a church cell. A missional community is not a Bible study group. A missional community, what differentiates a missional community from all other groups that are in church, small group. For those, we used to have tables and they're all first names, but the missional community is primarily missional. And relations, community, community is the secondary outflow. And therefore, a missional community, first of all, has a mission to reach its neighbors with the good news of Jesus Christ. And because of that mission, we do community and life together. And so, for us here at the City Church, missional communities will be structured this way. Number one, they emphasize multiplication, which means uh, a missional community starts out as one, but multiplies into several missional communities. This year, we are starting with each zone having seven missional communities, and those seven missional communities, we are believing God that uh, in each zone, by the end of June, each zone will have multiplied to 28 missional communities. Now, Thank you for clapping your hands because that means you are going to do the work of missional communities. Number two, our missional communities are based in zones. Now, I know that for you in Yiganga, you probably uh, don't know what zone is. But today, uh, they are going to help you uh, find out which one of your zones you belong to. And the zones are not the LOC zones. They are our zones. We are the ones who make up, we divide our community into different areas and catchments. And we say, if you come from this area, your missional community, you, the missional community you belong to should be in that area. Now, a missional community runs through what we call a huddle system. Huddle, huddle, that's smaller groups of people, and each huddle has four to six people in it. And it has a, mission, a, a huddle leader. And when an MC, a missional community, we call it MC, gets up to six huddles, it splits to form two MCs. Now, all these technicalities, 
Even if you don't figure out now. What I want you to carry away from today is that you need to be discipled to make disciples. And the first step as a church that we want to take to help you on that journey is to get you first of all to join a missional community. In a missional community, you will be able to answer at least the first question. Who is discipling you? Because I have pastors that I have discipled. And these pastors now have people they are discipling. And we are saying, now these people will also disciple you. And, and it will go like that. Because, listen, I can't disciple all of you who are sitting here together. It is ineffective. It's not the way it works. So we form ourselves into uh, oikoses, missional communities, smaller households that belong to a big family, extended families, homesteads. Hallelujah. And that way we know that every one of you is taken care of. When you lose someone, who will be there for you? When you are getting married, who are going to sit in your meetings? When, 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 you, when you are celebrating your graduation, who is going to come to your party? Not all of us. And sometimes for the, some of us, like I am in, in Kampala, we have people in Yiganga uh, and things are happening. Who is going to be there to be your support? Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So this way you have family around you. Father, we thank you for a good word. And we thank you for the mandate of discipleship. Even as you bless us, we are asking in the Jesus' name that your people will learn to do also and to mind your business. We thank you and believe you. In Jesus' name we pray. This audio sermon has been brought to you by The City Church. We would love to hear from you. Please contact us on 706 332 572 or 0776-579-679.